probably, hopefully by now, found the passage for this morning. It's printed on your sermon guide. You'll need that in a few minutes, especially uh, Acts chapter 2 and Matthew 28, if you'd be finding those, if you haven't already. I understand a man once called a pastor to say that he wanted to join the church. And so you can imagine... Uh, most pastors are delighted to get a phone call like that. But this man went on and continued that he wanted to join the church, but he didn't want to worship every week. He didn't want to study the Bible. He didn't want to visit the sick. He didn't want to witness to non-Christians. And he did not want to serve as a leader or teacher. Well, the pastor commended him for his desire to join, but told him that the church which he sought was actually located in another part of town. And he gave him the address of the church. The man took down the driving directions and hung up. And when he arrived at the church the pastor had mentioned, the man came face to face with the logical result of his own apathetic attitude. There stood an abandoned church building, boarded up and ready for demolition. Now, as we've been studying the church this year, I hope it's become apparent to all of you just how important the church is and how important the part you play is. We're reminded of that again this morning in Sunday school in the adult classes about how we're to have commitment to the Lord's work. Someone has said that church members are either pillars or caterpillars. You see, the pillars hold up the church. And the caterpillars just crawl in and out. I wonder, are you a pillar of the church or are you a caterpillar today? Which one are you? Today we come to the 11th message in our series, Church Matters, and our final message in this particular series. We've covered a lot of ground. We've, we've looked at a lot of different things as we've been studying the church and going back and seeing God's blueprint for the church. We've asked some very important questions and sought to answer them very biblically. We've covered whose church is it? Uh, what is the church? Why does the church exist? And then our current question, which has been an ongoing answer, uh, what is the church supposed to do? What does the church do? And in answering that question, we've been talking about the non-negotiables, those things that every church everywhere ought to always be doing. Uh, we've, we've seen that the church teaches and preaches, a church fellowships, the church prays, a church celebrates the ordinances of baptism and uh, the Lord's Supper, a church serves. And then last week we answered that the fact that the church worships. And today we add one more thing. That the church does, we find in God's word. And in many ways, it flows out of doing those other things we've already talked about. What does the church do? Well, today we talk about how the church evangelizes. It evangelizes. One look at our mission statement, our doctrinal statement and mission statement, quickly summarizes what we believe the Bible teaches and and what we believe about evangelism and missions. Now, I printed it on the front of your sermon guide there. I want us to read it together. This is from our Baptist Faith and Message 2000. This is our doctrinal statement. This is what we believe that God's word teaches when it comes to evangelism 
and missions. And I want you to read it aloud with me today, if you would. So on the front there in the bold print, let's read what we believe about evangelism and missions. It's taken from God's Word, as, as scholars have studied. And this is a summary of what we believe God's Word teaches when it comes to evangelism and missions. Read it with me, would you? It is the duty and privilege of every follower of Christ and of every church of the Lord Jesus Christ to endeavor to make disciples of all nations. The new birth of man's spirit by God's Holy Spirit means the birth of love for others. Missionary effort on the part of all rests thus upon a spiritual necessity of the regenerate life and is expressly and repeatedly commanded in the teachings of Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ has commanded the preaching of the gospel to all nations. It is the duty of every child of God to seek constantly to win the lost to Christ by verbal witness undergirded by a Christian lifestyle and by other methods in harmony with the gospel of Christ. Thank you for reading. Now, you're at that passage today. We've been returning to over and over again. Acts chapter two. And you have the early church there. Now, I want to say at the very beginning, we believe in evangelism. We believe in missions. We're Baptists. We're Southern Baptists. We're missionary at heart. Or at least we should be. So let's look at the early church, Acts chapter 2. I want to read that passage again. And I want you to notice what's going on here. Acts chapter 2, we'll begin reading at verse 40. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Wouldn't you love to have been there and see that kind of response to the gospel message? 3,000 souls. Verse 42. And they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through all the apostles. Now all who believed were together, had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods to buy them among all, as anyone had need. So continually daily, with one accord the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people... Now watch the last part. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now this passage we've been returning to over and over again. We find people being saved at the beginning. There's a great harvest of souls. Or, or added to the, the body of Christ and to the church. And then at the end... We have people being saved. The Lord adding daily to the church those being saved. Now put your finger there. And we want to turn back to the Gospel of Matthew. A passage that you're probably, if you've been in church for any amount of time, familiar with. Something we call the Great Commission. Matthew 28, the very last chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. The last three verses. You may know it by heart. Matthew 28. Verses 18 through 20. The Bible says in Matthew 8, uh, 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen and amen. Now, very simply, the Great Commission tells us, first of all, to go make disciples. Now, literally there, the idea is this. As you are going, as you're going about your life, as you're living life, you're to make disciples. Now, what is a disciple? Well, a disciple is a follower, a learner of Jesus. So the Bible is very clear. Jesus said to us, to them there, that we are to go and make disciples of all the nations. Now, how do we do that? Well, he he tells us how. First of all, we're to baptize them. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so when we baptize here, we baptize in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. Why do we do that? Because that's what Jesus said to do. So we baptize them. And of course, in order for them to be baptized, they first of all must be saved. So we have to share the gospel with them. We must share the fact that that Jesus came and died in their place and they're sinners and lost and undone and hopeless and and without hope in this present world. But Jesus died in their place and shed his blood and will forgive them their sin. They'll turn in faith and repentance. And so we share the gospel with them. They come and are saved. It goes back to Acts chapter 2. Those who gladly received his word were baptized. Baptism is the first step of obedience. If you're going to be a disciple, you need to be baptized. And so we're to make disciples, we baptize them, and then what else does it say do? We're to teach them. Teach them to do what? Well, it says there in the Great Commission, it says, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. We're to teach them to obey Jesus. Teach them the Word of God. Teach them what God's Word says. If we're going to be followers of Christ, we must know what He desires for us to do. So that's the Great Commission. Now, sad to say, the Great Commission in many places become the Great Omission. It's not going on. We're to go make disciples to all the nations, baptizing them and teaching them. Now, go back to Acts 2. We find this is taking place in Acts chapter 2. People are saved. They're baptized. They're discipled. They're taught, and then you come to the end of that last verse, other people are saved. Now, really, it's a cycle, if you will. As believers go to evangelize and make disciples, those new disciples obey and go and evangelize and make other disciples. And those disciples make other disciples and those disciples make other disciples and those disciples make other disciples. It's a cycle, if you will. They make Disciples, And it goes on and on and on. If you're here today and you're a disciple, you're saved, you're a follower of Christ, it's because somebody obeyed the Great Commission. Somebody told you, somebody taught you. Maybe several did that. Because they obeyed the teaching of Christ, you're here today, born again, I pray. If not, today's the day of salvation. But those of you who know Christ, you're here today, you're born again, you're to be a follower of Christ, but it doesn't stop there. You're to go and make disciples. You're to go and see that others come to saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Acts chapter 2 again. Let's go back to that last verse. Verse 47. The Bible says, And the Lord added to the church daily, it's very interesting, daily, those who were being saved. Now, I want you to notice the words there, the Lord added. The Lord added to the church daily. Those who are being saved. Just a reminder that you and I, 
we cannot save anyone. We're not to save anyone. We're to go and share the good news. We're to go and share the gospel. It's God, the Holy Spirit, who must convince, convict and convert a lost person. We're to faithfully share the gospel, to seek to make disciples, to go and share the good news. And those who respond in faith, we're to baptize them and teach them. But we're to go and share the good news and leave the rest to him. Now, here's where we often grow discouraged in our witnessing and our soul winning and our sharing the gospel. We feel like if someone does not respond immediately in faith that we failed. You haven't failed, beloved. We can save no one. Our responsibility is to share the good news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Share it truthfully, share it faithfully, and share it in prayer, leaving the results to the Holy Spirit. That is success in witnessing, to share the gospel. You know, I, I stand up here and I can preach my heart out. And I can share the gospel. And maybe no one responds. Have I failed? No. I haven't failed. If I've been faithful to what I've been told to do. You may go out. You may share with a friend, a co-worker, a family member. And you say, they didn't respond. Hey, you sowed a seed. You sowed a seed. One man plants and the man harvests. God gets the increase. God gets the glory. And so we're to be faithful in our witnessing. We're to share the gospel. It doesn't matter if maybe you're using the ABCs of the gospel or the Romans road or share Jesus without fear or faith or evangelism explosion or whatever program or whatever verses you might choose or no formal program at all. We're to be telling the good news. If you know enough, listen, if you've been saved, you know enough to tell somebody else how to be saved. You do. If you've been saving enough to tell somebody else how to be saved. So here's the question. Why don't we evangelize like we ought? I dare say if I were to go and ask from pew to pew today, I think there'd be a lot to say. Listen, do you evangelize like you ought? Do you share the gospel like you ought to? I think a lot of people would be honest with me and say, I don't share the gospel enough. And I hope I'm wrong in saying that, but. But I know people, I know schedules, and I know things. Why don't we evangelize like we ought? Well, I'd like to suggest, I'd like to suggest because we don't know God as we ought. And we don't love God like we ought. I think that's why we don't evangelize like we ought to. I find it interesting that verse 47 again of Acts 2, that word and. And. The Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. You see, before you have the and there, you have them fellowshipping and worshiping and sharing and ministering and praising God and praying and living the Christian life together. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. As one man noted in his work, in his book, he said this evangelism should be the product of a healthy church. Evangelism should be the product of a healthy church. That's what Hammett said. I see that they're saved, they're discipled, they're fellowshipping, breaking bread, praying, worshiping, praising God. And the Lord added daily to the church those being saved. It, it, it flowed out of this healthy church. Michael Green wrote a book called Evangelism in the Early Church. And he gives the three 
motives that energized the early church in their evangelism. So this is why they evangelized. Number one, a sense of love and gratitude to God. A sense of love and gratitude to God. Two, a sense of responsibility and stewardship before God, the judge. That is, they're going to stand before God. And third, a sense of the dangerous condition of the lost. A sense of the dangerous condition of the lost. Now, do we recognize these three things in our own lives and in our church? Do we have a sense of love and gratitude for God or has our love and gratitude to God kind of cooled? I mean, we've been doing this for a long time, many of us. We've been in church since we knew we were in church. We've been in church from nursery up. And well, we love God. We're grateful to God. But are we really? Is our love for God cooled? Is our gratitude cooled? Have we forgot that we'll stand before the Lord and give an account for our lives? Now, now our salvation is settled at the cross, at the foot of the cross. But as a believer, I'm going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and give an account. It says, my works will be put before the testing fire. It's the idea of rewards. Earning crowns and rewards, which I believe will cast at Jesus' feet. But it says some will suffer loss. Some will be ashamed as they stand there and realize that though they're saved, though they're going to heaven, though they're with the Lord. They haven't served him as they ought to have served him. And then third, I think this is one that's really hit us hard, and that is we've forgotten the true condition of the lost. We've forgotten that they're headed to hell without Christ, without hope. We, we don't really believe that. Everybody goes to heaven, right? If you go to a lot of funerals, everybody goes to heaven, don't they? Everybody goes to heaven. No, that's not what the Bible says. Those who trusted Christ go to heaven. Those who don't go to a horrible place that none of us rejoice in. None of us like to savor. None of us like to even think about a place called hell prepared for the devil and his angels. We've forgotten that is the destiny. That is the eternal domain of those who reject the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible teaches. Jesus taught it clearly. Now, listen, we are missionaries. We're to be evangelizing. That is sharing the good news. We're to be evangelizing. We're to be making disciples. And it says in the Great Commission that we're to go to all the nations and make disciples, right? Now, listen. It's not enough to send money. Though we ought to send money, and we do send money. When you give here, you give your tithes and your undesignated offerings. Every time you give those a portion goes to send the gospel to the ends of the earth, literally, as we send out missionaries. But the Bible says very clearly that we're to go. We're to go. So I can't just say, well, you know, I'm going to throw a five in the plate and praise God, I'm a missionary. And there you go. No. The Bible says we're to go. Now, listen, we're missionaries. You remember that? Some of you grew up in mission friends and RAs and GAs and you learned about missionaries. We teach them in Team Kid. We talk about missions. We're always talking about missions and missions and missions. We forget that we're missionaries. Now, listen, you may not be called to Africa 
But you are called to Anson County. You may not be called to Africa, but you're called to Anson County. You're to be a missionary to this place. We're to evangelize. We're to share the good news that Jesus saves. And we're to do that to the ends of the earth. To all the nations. So we pray, we give, and we send others. We we seek to reach the world with the gospel. We do that through our giving and praying and sending out missionaries. But here's the question. How do we as missionaries reach our local mission field? Because this is where we serve. This is where we labor. This is where we live. You're going to step out that back door back there. And you're stepping on a mission field. You're entering the mission field. Now, how do we go about reaching our mission field, reaching folks for Christ here? I want to suggest five ways we do that. These are gleaned from Daryl Robinson's good book called Total Church Life. And I want to share these five ways that we can share the gospel. And you can kind of see where are we? Are we already doing this? And where do we need to go? Five things. Number one, through public proclamation. Through public proclamation. In other words, I declare the gospel when I preach. I give out the good news that Jesus saves. Sunday school teachers here are to be declaring the gospel when they teach their Sunday school classes. At Vacation Bible School, we're going to declare the gospel, proclaim the gospel. On Wednesday nights, our coaches and workers, our youth Uh, Workers, they're to be proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Public proclamation. When you come here, you should be exposed to the gospel. You should see it in, in the lives of us. You should hear it with your ears. That all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if you'll repent of your sin and place your faith in Christ, you'll have eternal life, a home in heaven. And a glorious future. Public proclamation. And I seek to be faithful in doing this. And I want to encourage all of our teachers and workers. As you stand with the word of God. To be faithful in proclaiming the gospel. You say well. well, It's the same five of us every week. Well, Well you need to do some work. And get some new five in there. Proclaim the gospel. Second. Through caring ministry. Through caring ministry. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Red Hill, in so many ways, is a caring church. And it it loves people. And it loves the community. I'm so grateful for that. And you're reaching out in love. And and you're sharing our brotherhood, our, our women on mission, and all these different areas. We're reaching out. And as we do that, we're to be open and looking for opportunities to share Jesus. To share the gospel. Are you doing that? I mean, you say, well, I'm just helping give out food. No, look, you need to be open for opportunities to share the gospel. You're a missionary. Through caring ministry. Third, through event attraction. Through event attraction. You say, well, preacher, what is that? Through event attraction. Well, this is special outreach days. Where we have opportunities to especially invite those who we feel like don't know the Lord or we know don't know the Lord or we're not sure they're they don't go to church anywhere. And we've never heard them talk about Christ and we believe they need the Lord. And so we have a special event for them to come and hear the gospel. We have friend day each year. 
Friend Day is a event attraction. We invite those around us, those who need to know Christ, to come and we share the gospel. So that's actually two, public proclamation event attraction. Vacation Bible School is that. As we reach out in the community and bring people in. There are other events that we have that we try to bring people in and share the gospel for through geographic saturation. Through geographic saturation. Say, what in the world is that, preacher? That means looking right around us, up and down every street, every road, with those within a radius of our facility here, our church here, and seeing that we reach them, give them opportunity to respond to the gospel. One great way to do this is through our Sunday school. That's why we do the 3D Sunday school. The very first point of 3D Sunday school is invite. Invite, discover, connect. We invite others. We invite them to Sunday school. And when they come to Sunday school, they should be exposed to the gospel. You know, I got, I got convicted as I, I looked at this because, you know, I don't think we've done this. Where we've taken a map and we've drawn a radius to listen. We're going to see to it that we reach out to every house Every person, every trailer, every domain, everywhere around this radius, we're going to touch them with the love of Jesus. Whether it's through a knock on the door, whether it's through a gift, whether it's through whatever it may be, but literally try to expose every house within a certain radius to the gospel. That's something we need to work on. Fifth, through a personal presentation of the gospel. All of us should be personally sharing our faith, personally sharing the gospel. If you look back at our our doctrinal statement, did you notice what it said? It says there later on in that it is the duty of every child of God to seek constantly to win the loss to Christ by verbal witness undergirded by a Christian lifestyle. Some have come out with what's called lifestyle evangelism. It's been around for a long time. And the idea is this. Uh, you just live a good Christian life and, and people see a difference and they'll ask you eventually. Listen, you ought to live a good Christian lifestyle. But there comes a point where we must open our mouth and share the gospel. Furthermore, there are times where they don't have time to examine my life and watch my life. I may only be with them for five minutes. I need to open my mouth as God leads and share Jesus. Personally share him. Now, listen, it doesn't have to be just one of these five. I think we should utilize all five. And bathe them all in prayer as we do them, doing whatever we can to reach people with the gospel. Now, listen, I want you to hear this and hear nothing else. Evangelism and missions must be more than a program. It must be our heartbeat. It must flow out of our love for Almighty God and our love for Jesus Christ. You know why it has to be more than a program? Because if it's a program, then we, we might do it, but we probably won't do it. And if we do any of it, it'll be just once in a while. And it'll be just something else that we, we you know, I know we need to do that, but I don't want to do that. It's not a program. As you are going, as you're living life, as you're living your Christian life, you're to be sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's your flaw of a heart of love. We don't love God as we ought. We don't 
know God as we ought. We get more excited about a new restaurant than we do the gospel. Oh, have you tried so and so? We get excited about a store or something else. Have you done this? Have you been there? Have you been there? Listen, we got the gospel. May God break our hearts. Men and women, boys and girls, precious teenagers, they all need Jesus. All of them. You leave here today and you go anywhere in our community, unless you go straight home and go in your bedroom or whatever. If you go out to eat, if you go to the store, wherever you go, you're going to meet people that need Jesus. You're a missionary. Are you going to share your faith? We recently had the 100th anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic. Joe Stoll, writing in Our Daily Bread, once wrote several years ago, a friend of mine visited an exhibit of the relics from the infamous Titanic voyage. Exhibit visitors were given a replica ticket with the name of an actual passenger or crew member who decades earlier had embarked on a trip of a lifetime. He said, after the tour group walked through the exhibit, viewing pieces of silver, dinnerware and other artifacts, the tour ended with an unforgettable twist. He said a large board listed the names of all the passengers, including their status, first class, second class and crew. Stoll wrote, as my friend looked for the name of the person whose ticket he was holding, he noticed a line across the board dividing the names. Above the line were the names of those who were saved and below the line, all those who are lost. He said the parallel to our life on earth is profound. It really doesn't make any difference how the world ranks your status. The only thing that ultimately matters is whether you are saved or lost. As Jesus said, what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Perhaps you've already trusted Christ for your salvation. But what about your fellow passengers? Instead of sizing them up by externals, talk to them about their ultimate destination. Because it really comes down to that, doesn't it? Saved or lost. I don't care if you're riding in first class. You're saved or lost. I say again, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Signed, Jesus Christ. Saved or lost. Father. I want to thank you personally today that someone cared enough to share the gospel with me. Others cared enough to establish a place where I could hear the gospel, be exposed to the gospel. Others came along and taught me and discipled me and helped me. I praise you for that. I thank you on behalf of all those today who know Jesus in this place. But, Lord, you told us to go. You've told us to be actively involved in evangelism and missions. It's not enough just to pray or just to give money. You've told us to go. As we're going about our life. To seek to make disciples. 
Father, I pray as we close this service today, if anybody here does not know Jesus Christ, I pray that during this final song, they'll come to saving faith in Jesus. Then, Lord, I pray that you would break our hearts and help us to love you as we ought. Remind us, Father, though we don't want to be reminded that hell is real. Eternity is real. Father, help us to be faithful in sharing the gospel. While your heads are still bowed and your eyes are still closed, I wonder, has God brought someone to your mind today? Maybe a co-worker or a family member or a neighbor or an acquaintance or a schoolmate. And you're fairly certain they don't know Jesus. Friend, if that person dies, they go to hell. But there you are in their life. Have you shared the gospel? Have you shared Jesus with them? Have you given them an opportunity to respond in faith and gain eternal life? I don't think it's a coincidence that that person or those persons came to your mind. Say you're a missionary. And they need Jesus. Will you be obedient in sharing the gospel with them? Yes, living it before them, absolutely. But speaking as you have opportunity. Maybe today as we close our service in a moment, maybe you want to come and pray for those people. Maybe pray for wisdom and grace and how to reach them with the gospel. You see, evangelism must be more than a program. It's a lifestyle. As you are going, you're loving and leading people to Jesus. Does that describe you? Maybe you'd like to come in a moment and pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. We ask now your blessing upon this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Our closing hymn this morning is 559. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. You're here today and you don't know Jesus. Today is the day. Turn from your sin and place your faith in Christ. I invite you to come and just come down here and take my hand. So this is great for all be saved. I'll look with somebody who'll take a Bible and sit down with me and do something else. Now, they try to go off today, so you know, I need to go down to the altar and pray for those people that I know. I'm pretty certain they don't know Jesus. I need to reach them. I just need to go and pray for wisdom and grace and help with my heart. And if you come today, we stand and sing. 559, rescue the territory. 559, let's stand and sing. You got it.